This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey, what's up, everybody, to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Chad Kirtland. Thank you so much for tuning in today for episode 56. If you're wondering why Michael's voice isn't on this intro, it's because I am getting to host um, and flipping the script and putting Michael in the hot seat. We are concluding a four-part series titled Setbacks. And a setback in its simplest term is a reversal of progress. Your life is heading in one direction, and then one day something happens, and all progress that you've made has come to a halt or has turned and gone in the other direction. Whether it's in your marriage, your parenting, your education, or your career, we've all experienced setbacks in our life to the point that it has become commonplace to expect it. We won't always be able to avoid them, but the questions that we are asking in this series is how do we grieve what once was? How do we find gratitude for what is and how do we pursue what is to come? And so throughout each episode in this series, you've heard Michael hint at or allude to the fact that he's experienced some setbacks in his own life. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to flip the script and put him in the hot seat and hear his story as well. So, Michael, welcome to your podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Oh, this is so weird, but it's so cool. Thank you so much for doing this. And I can't believe we came up with this wacky idea. Yeah, me neither. But hey, it's going to be fun. Um, and people are going to get to hear a little bit more about you. And speaking of that, um, I know everybody who listens knows a little bit about you. But in case people are just tuning in for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever, can you share with them who you are, what you do, and then why you do it? Yeah, man. So it's interesting being on this side of that question. Now I understand how all of you guys feel when I ask you this. But uh, yeah, so I'm Michael and uh, been a follower of Jesus for well over, gosh, 25 years. And um, I'm married to my beautiful bride and her name is Erica. And we have three uh, amazing kids that are just a joy and sometimes a strangle. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm a pastor uh, at a church, an amazing church called Real Life Church here in uh, Southern California. And uh, I get to uh, just do a couple of different things where I uh, oversee our, uh, we have multiple campuses. So I work with our campus pastors and oversee that. And then I'm one of the teaching pastors there. It's It's been a Incredible honor and privilege to serve under uh, our leadership of uh, Rusty George and Fred Gray and and that in our church and so it's been amazing and uh, yeah I have a podcast that uh, you know just trying to help people just live out their uncommon faith and so that's pretty much who I am and what I do and I love it and man it's been so fun to kind of see your journey from this side of it and see uh, just how far you've come and seen how God has used you um, in your career with your family. Um, and then with this podcast, it's been a real honor to, to watch you and to be alongside you in it as well. Um, but hey, we're going to jump right in. You uh, have experienced like a short setback in your ministry career some years ago. And would you be willing to kind of walk us through what was happening during that season um, and, and then kind of bring us up to the point um, there that you were, you're feeling uneasy about what this setback might mean. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay. So, I mean, I want to start where, um, as you know, because obviously you were at the same amazing, uh, church that I was at, at this time. 
uh, we had just come through a really good season. Uh, I was a student ministry pastor at this church, and uh, we had just gotten through uh, our big fall kickoff. And uh, man, just great momentum. So many students coming. Uh, we were seeing, you know, just tremendous growth. Uh, and uh, we were really excited about where the direction of our student ministry was heading. And I was in a, what you would probably call like an associate student minister um, working at the, the broadcast campus of this church. And so we have to start on vacation because that's where this kind of starts to really play itself out more. Uh, so my, my wife and I were on vacation and I remember we were driving through the mountains of West Virginia. Okay. And uh, uh, I get this phone call from our campus pastor at the time. Now, you know, our campus, I, I had a boss who was like my direct supervisor boss, our lead student pastor. And so to have my campus pastor calling me was like, uh, what is this? And uh, so he called and, uh, you know, so I put it, obviously we were driving, so I put him on speakerphone. So my wife is sitting in the passenger seat next to us. And, you know, he proceeds to basically tell me that, uh, you know, they, they had to let go our boss. Uh, because of a, an incident. And uh, man, that was, you know, that was jarring to get that on vacation. And, 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 and the thing was, like, I really, really respected my boss. Like he was, I mean, he was your boss, like, eh, like, dotted line boss. Uh, he was a great guy. And man, tremendous and wanted to go work with him. That's why we, you know, came to this church. And so that was really just like it kind of caught me off guard and it kind of I won't say wrecked our vacation because we still had a great time, but it really changed, you know, my thought process because I was just the whole time on vacation. I was thinking about, man, you know, I was thinking about him and what does this mean for our student ministry? And um, so anyways, we actually end up cutting our vacation a day short to get back so that we could help out with, you know, just a lot of the transitional stuff and questions that were going to come up and all of like that. So. Fast forward a little bit, uh, we're several months down the road after that whole thing, and uh, you know they're going to put out the position and, and start looking for a replacement. Uh, when I got to this church, I had had several several years of leading, you know, uh, large student ministry experience. So uh, I felt like after prayer and talking to you know people I trust, mentors, my wife, I felt like okay, I, I should enter my name. Um, you know, I feel like I would probably have a pretty decent shot at, at this opportunity. And we believed in the ministry that we were a part of, um, our student ministry. And we believed even more so in the, the mission and ministry of the church we were at an incredible church, incredible leader doing incredible things for the kingdom, um, in the city of, of, of Indy. And so we wanted to be a part of it long term. So it felt like, okay, this was the right thing to do. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to pursue it out of ego. I wasn't trying to pursue it out of, of, of uh, just ambition. It literally felt like, you know, I'd done this job before uh, in a really large context as well. So it wasn't like I was just trying to, you know, just get the job to just get the job. You know, I felt like this was something that God wanted me to do and, um, so yeah, so I applied and, um, went to, uh, and I had two interviews. Okay. Chad. And I look back on that and 
not not blaming anybody. There's no blame or anything. But I promise you, those interviews were what I would refer to as token interviews, if you understand what I mean. Like, it almost, in hindsight, not almost, it definitely felt like I was just getting the interview as like a courtesy. Like, hey, you know, you're currently on our team. We're going to interview you. But you're never, you weren't a really true, like, candidate, which is fine. That's totally fine. So I go through those two interview. I even, like, I remember I even, like, created this whole proposal. It's like a 10-page, like, here's what, here's what I believe the future of the ministry is. I don't want to change much. Just a couple of strategic things. Um, want to keep everything, like, the legacy, all like that, like, boom, you know. And yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure that you sent that to me. Yeah, I did. You're <laughs> right. I said, hey, Chad, read over this. What are your thoughts? What do you think? I think you gave me some really good input. I shared it with a couple of people that I trusted, um, including, um, you know, uh, one of our uh, our coworkers or staff members who was like the leader of our kids ministry because she had been there a long time. She kind of knew and and she gave me some really good input as well, too. So go through that interview process. I have two interviews with our campus pastor. Um, and I, even in the interview process, I was like, this is a kind of weird interview. You know, we went to lunch one time. And then one time I officially sat down with uh, HR and, and our campus pastor. And um, it's like, this is weird. This doesn't feel like an interview, but then it feels, but then it is and it isn't. And in hindsight, it, it, I, I believe it was a courtesy interview, which is totally fine, you know. But what that did is that it kind of made me feel like, huh, something is um, not right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they don't see me as uh, the long-term option here. And so they're just giving me a courtesy interview and they're going to probably bring someone else in. That was my first assumption, which ended up being the correct assumption. Um, and so basically, you know, the team kind of held on and, and we kept not held on, but we we kept moving forward with the ministry. Um, and then uh, they brought us in and they started talking about I remember our our campus ministries uh, pastor, basically the job I do now, the guy that's that that I do the job here at our church at this previous church, he started talking about like a new structure of, of student ministry. And it was something that another church, uh, Church of the Highlands in Alabama, uh, they were doing. And it was going to be where it was really more focused on groups and uh, discipleship. And it, it was a, a shift away from like the big programming, the, the student pastor who teaches and is really going to be more discipleship group focus. And then they were going to leverage the like as we sometimes say, the adult weekend service as like the service for student ministry, right? Which at the time was like, okay, wow, that's a huge shift. It's a huge shift. Um, and it was a huge shift for me personally because that is like moving away from what I would call, maybe say is like my number one gifting, which is teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as you remember, a lot of us, all of us rotated teaching opportunities. So uh, that was like a really, you know, big part of my gifting. So it was like, I started asking God and you and people like, hey, like, man, this seems, you know, what do I do here? 
And don't get me wrong, Chad, like I want it to, I understand that oftentimes God will ask us to, to not like put away our gifting in the closet, you know, so to speak, but to just say, hey, this is not going to be what you are really focused on in this season. So, sometimes certain giftings take a backseat for a while. Right. And when, right, and when we when we came to this church, part of that was like, hey, you're not going to be in the number one seat anymore like you're used to, which was good for that season of our life, especially for Eric and I. We had just kind of come off a really... Um, uh, tumultuous season in our marriage and I needed the space to not be in the number one seat so that I could, you know, have more time to, so that we can, you know, continue to heal and, and do all those different things. So, you know, coming to this church was, was, was God sent was, it was amazing and it did so much uh, good for our marriage. So I was grateful for being in the third or whatever seat you want to call it. It was, it was awesome. I loved it. At the same time, I loved it also because it didn't force me to stop using what I was gifted at doing. I still could, I got to lead in some ways. I got to teach in, in, in some ways. I got to use my creativity. I got to still be with students. I got to leverage our relationships with the schools that we were partnering with and the community outreach we were doing. And man, we were, we were doing a lot of great stuff, if you remember. And so when that shift, when I started to sense and, and started to see that picture of the shift come, it, it I really like had to be like, okay, God, like, what are you doing? What are you, um, what are you saying? And, you know, and I just remember thinking like, I remember asking God the question, like, is my time in student ministry coming to an end? Which is a much bigger question than God, are you asking me to, uh, you know, put some of my gifting, uh, in the back seat for a while as we we make this transition. And here's the thing, Chad, what I'll tell you is I decided in that moment, I decided. <laughs> so let's say that I decided, not God. I wasn't necessarily listening to what God was saying, but I decided, okay, if the shift comes, I love this church so much. My wife loves this church. I mean, she wor- worked at the the Christian school that was near the church and she had formed a lot of great relationships and my kids were in a really great school and thriving and so we love this area we love this church so much that if the shift comes and they ask me to accept it oh yeah I'm all in I'm just going to be all in now I don't in hindsight believe that's what God was saying to me but that's what I wanted to do um so okay fast forward we hired a new person uh, as a leader. And immediately I remember, uh, in the interview process, when we interviewed, I asked him, I said, Hey, what are your thoughts about the current staff? And would you, you know, come in and want to evaluate and then hire your own staff or evaluate and shift roles and all those things. And I remember not being able to get a straight answer. (laughs) And, and that's no offense to him or anything. I, I get it. I've, I've, since then, I've been in his shoes where I've had to come in and I'm like, okay, you got to evaluate things. And it's unfair to lie, right? It's unfair to lie. So, but I just remember not being able to get a straight answer out of him, which was red flag number two. It was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and so he comes in, he's a good guy. 
And immediately, so we start having like these one-on-one meetings. And so I'm just sharing him, you know, just kind of what we had been through the last, I think it was like six or seven months and where I was at and, you know, kind of what I felt like God was called, had us called, put a calling in me and my passion and for this ministry and what we were doing. And so we are gearing up for summer camp and we get word from our leader that we are going to be re-interviewing for the positions, okay? It's like, you have to basically re-interview for your job. It's like, yeah, so, oh. So just clarity, you already have the job. I already have the job. And you have to go through an interview for the job you already have. I have to re-interview for the job I currently have. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and what's interesting is there was, it, he was changing some of the scope of the job because remember, like I told you, we were shifting from the big program, the teaching student pastor to a very discipleship model, which is focused on groups and, uh, and engagement in that way and moving away from programs, from that kind of program. So a couple of the jobs had to change, which made sense. But the job I was in did not change. It was literally the same job. So I thought, oh, I'm he's just wanting to make sure that's still the job, right? So we get back from camp. I interview for the pos- my position, basically. And I realized, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't catch on this before, but I think there were four three positions at this campus and there were four people. No, no, no. I I take that back. I'm sorry. There were three positions and three of us were interviewing and I thought, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're all going to get these jobs. And I remember the three of us on the team, we were kind of talking because one of our guys was leaving. He was getting ready to leave to transition to a really great opportunity um, in the, in the Northeast. Uh, so I, th- we were all kind of talking like, yeah, what do we want? And all like this stuff. And so we kind of figured that. So go through the interview process and he made us bring like our, our top strengths and our passion and gifting, like a list of that to them. So we go through this interview process and I remember thinking in the interview, huh, the questions I'm getting feel weird. <laughs> uh, it was like, you know, man, what do you, what do you see yourself doing next? Um, do you think that you'll be able to, uh, not be able to teach like it in hindsight, when I look back, it felt like they were already trying to tell me I wasn't going to be part of this new phase of the team. Um, so yeah. So then like a couple weeks, um, no, yeah. A couple weeks go by and I get the dreaded email from HR that says, Hey, we're meeting. Thursday at 3 p.m. Now, you know as well as I do, um, at this church, uh, I had, you know, we'd had several friends went who got the HR email for Thursday at 3 p.m. Everybody, everybody in that worked knew what that email meant, right? Like, if as soon as you heard somebody got it, as soon as you got it, you knew what it meant. Yeah, it was the uh, the ultimate nail in the coffin, right? <laughs> right. I remember getting that email and saying to Erica, yeah, I think I'm getting fired today. And I have no idea why. 
And she's like, what? I'm like, so I started explaining her this email. I'm like, everybody who's gotten this email ends up leaving. Something like, or, or as the word we like to use is transition. Transitioned um, off the team. Transitioned off the team. And so, yeah. So Thursday, or I remember coming in that morning. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I remember coming in that morning, sitting down at my desk. And my boss was, you know, sitting across from uh, me and had, at his desk. And so we started, he started small chat with me. And I said, hey, looking forward to our meeting today. Are we talking about uh, uh, different stuff or the interview? He goes, and he says to me, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at that meeting. It's like, so that, like, in my mind, I was like, okay, yeah, this is what's happening. I'm I'm getting let go. This is weird. Okay. So I had to go through the whole day knowing that in my head, like, what in the world? And uh, the, so the rest of the day is so kind of a blur. I think I think it's a good thing, good moment to pause just for a second. Okay. Because um, oftentimes when we experience setbacks, we have these moments where we know what's about to come. Um, and it hasn't happened yet. So you have, let's see, five, four or five hours where you know what's about to happen, um, but it hasn't happened yet. What's going through your mind? What are you doing like activity wise to where like one, you are still honoring where you're at, but also preparing for what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. So what's going through my mind is once I had that little small talk conversation it i was 90 percent sure walking into that office that day that's what was going to happen then i was 100 percent sure after that small chat i just started like i remember i went to the bathroom i'll be honest i went to the bathroom and i cried because i was like god what is happening why is this happening to me what 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 did i do to deserve this like um so I, you know those questions start popping up and then i was like okay michael um, I heard a long time ago that when you don't know what to do, to just do the next right thing. Okay. When you don't know what to do, just do the next right thing. So I kind of collect myself, get myself together. Uh, I had a meeting, uh, about, uh, a, a production of something that we were doing for, I think another program that was coming up. I needed to go cut up like some invite cards. I love, that was one of my favorite parts of the job. So I, so I went and cut up some invite cards. Uh, I met with a parent. Then I went to meet at a school as we were, cause we were coming off the summer. So we we're getting ready to build into the fall. So I was making some connections with a, a couple new schools. So I went to meet with them and, um, and then I got back and pretty much the rest of the day I had I'd done all my tasks. So I sat in my at my office at my desk and just kind of I remember reading some stuff about student ministry, like some articles or stuff like that. And I don't think I was really reading. I think I was just staring at words. And then because of the type of personality I am, um, I like to whenever I'm going to walk into a difficult situation, uh, I like to kind of rehearse it in my head. So I, I'm pretty sure I spent maybe the last few hours just kind of thinking through, okay, if they say this, here's my response. Uh, you know, then I was reminding myself of like, okay, be, be gracious, be understanding, ask questions, ask really good questions. Uh, don't react with your face. Don't, uh, don't accuse, don't get angry. Like I just kept telling myself that over and over again. That's really good. Um, so what I love about that is like, you're like, 
you do the you do what's the next right thing. Um, yeah. because, um, because that was honoring to one, the people who you're working with, um, the right. parents that you're meeting with and the students who are about to come into, um, the student ministry there and you are honoring them really well. Um, and also like if you've never had a conversation with Michael, you know how hard it is for him to not react with his face. So that was a, that was a big so deal. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Oh gosh. Yeah. All right. So very true. Picking up with your story, you just had the conversation with, uh, the, the your, your supervisor and you knew that this meeting was coming. All right. So what keep continuing walking us through. Okay. So yeah, we get to the end of the day, man, I, I have this just awful pit in my stomach. So I walk in and it's, it's a full room, what I would call a full room. It's uh, my boss, uh, my current boss, supervisor, uh, his boss, because as we made the shift, it also shifted the ministry to a different part of uh, our organization. Uh, so it was him, his boss, uh, and then HR. Okay, so there's four of us in the room. And so we sit down and he begins to explain, you know, kind of the shift that we're going and basically says, you know, we feel like that you are an incredible person, incredibly gifted, and we know how much you love, you know, our church, and, and man, we're grateful for you. But as we kind of realized, as we kind of fleshed out where this ministry is heading, we, we realized it's just not, there's just not a spot for you uh, that we think you would thrive in because of the way it does. It's not going to fit your gifting. Is basically what he says. Um, and let me just tell you, it doesn't matter what you say. None of that feels good in the moment. <laughs> like you know, and you, you could say all the nice things you want. It's just not going to feel good. And and I know they were trying to. I will say this: they were trying to really honor me well. I I really do appreciate that. They were trying to honor me in a right and a in a very well way, but it doesn't feel good. And so, you know, I just started asking questions like, um, you know, I hadn't done anything wrong and um, I don't understand why I was had to re-interview for my job when my job is the same exact job. I said, I totally understand I won't get to teach anymore. And while that is hard, it's not impossible. Um, and I, of course, I, 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 I say the same phrasing I said to you. I understand that God sometimes will you know, shift what we're doing, which requires a shifting in our gifting and, and what moves to the front. Um, and I'm, I'm great with that, you know? So I tell them like my family is thriving here and I don't want to, I really just didn't want to upset that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they understood, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, we understand that, but we just feel like this is the right, the right decision. So that was hard. So then they told me that a um, couple of things. You know, obviously, they were going to really take care of our family, which, again, I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, and that they wanted me, if I wanted to stay at the church, I could definitely interview for some other positions that were available. Um, and they encouraged me to do so, which was, you know, I would say very kind of them. Uh so yeah, walking out of that meeting, man, I was just, I guess the, the best word I can come up with is blah. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, so I mean, that kind of leads into the next question I have is, um, you know, before, 
you talk to anybody else before you call your wife or go see her or whatever you did. Um, kind of talk talk us through like that feeling of blah, um, and then like what are you thinking in that moment? Yeah. Well, the first, I think the immediate one was failure. I mean, I just felt like a massive failure, you know, um, that I couldn't, I couldn't convince them that I was the right person for the role. Uh, my track record in the role apparently didn't convince them as well. I mean, the thing I kept thinking about was, man, you know, when I got there, we were partnering with, I don't know a handful of schools that we had students showing up by the time I left. I mean, we had over 50 schools that were sending that, that kids were coming from. And, you know, I was a big part of that going to make those connections, driving, you know, uh, really far out from, for our, from the, you know, campus that you were at to connecting to those schools, to the campus I was at, to the campus that we had in another part of the city and, and connecting there and getting into those schools and, and, and volunteering and coaching just to get our ministry awareness and part, that was part of my job. And I had seen, we had seen some really good, you know, stuff come from that. Um, you know, as far as being, a uh, uh, on the team there, you know, I had no issues with anybody on our team. I was doing my job, never written up, never anything, you know, of course you, you always have those moments of like, you know, uh, tension when you're working with other people. And I had a few of those, but nothing to the sense it was like, Oh, this is not a workable situation or anything like that. Um, so it, it just really felt like it was out of left field, even though I understood. And in hindsight, I can look back, you know, it was, I just felt really inadequate as a, as a, as a person, as a man, uh, as a husband, man, I was really, really, really dread. I felt dreadful. That was another feeling I had dreadful of what coming home and having to tell my wife. Um, also just so afraid because this meant either i had to get a you know really good job in that city to continue for our kids to go to school where they were going to school at because it was costing us um or we were gonna have to move and and we had just moved a year and a half ago so it was like i don't want to uproot my family again so there was just so yeah i would say failure dreadfulness uh confusion uh, I don't. I wouldn't say angry, Chad. I don't think at any point in time I was angry uh, with the situation. I was just incredibly hurt. So not angry, because I do think there's a difference between being angry and being hurt. Um, I was just hurt because I felt like, you know, I'd given it my all, um, and I felt like I'd built really good relationships there, and it just felt like no one had my back in that time. Like the people who were in charge didn't have my back. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say that's what I was feeling and thinking at that time. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can relate with some of that for sure. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, but like when you did talk to Erica, when you went and you like said, hey, um, it's done, all, whatever, it, however you broke the news to her, how'd that conversation go? Yeah. So I leave. Because, you know, it's the end of the day because that's why they have the meeting at the end of the day. So I leave and um, I kind of start driving home. And I'm just thinking, okay, you know, 
I have to, I obviously got to tell her. I'm not going to not tell her. How do I paint this? Because my wife, who's super amazing, she's a, she's a wife, right? And so she's going to have feelings. And uh, she's going to hold them so dearly because this is her husband. This is her family. And I didn't want her to be angry at the church, right? I wasn't going to be angry. And I didn't want my wife to be angry at the church. Um, because the church, for all of its flaws and all of its messiness, it's full of sin, sinful people, imperfect people trying to follow a perfect God. Man, there's a beauty about it. You know, the local church is a beautiful expression of the body of Christ. And so I want to make sure I honored that well with her. So I go home and I she's on the couch. She just got finished with her uh, day of work as well, too. Uh, I come home and I sit down and I talk to the kids for a little bit and then I asked them to, I think I asked them to leave the room for a little bit and I just said, hey, so today I had a meeting and I mean, obviously she knew about the meeting. So I said, hey, I I had the meeting and I was correct in my assumption. Um, They are not going to have me back in this role Um, and basically they've given me 30 days to apply and find another position on the, at the church, or they will, uh, transition me off the team as we like to say back then. And I remember her first words were, are you kidding me? (laughs) I, I, I literally, that, that's what she said. Are you kidding me? And man, I just broke down and started crying. Cause I was just looking at my wife and, and it wasn't, she wasn't looking at me with like disappointment or anything. She just, I could tell she was hurting for us, for me. Um, you know, I'm a three on the Enneagram. So that having that news hit me is like a big, like just stab in the heart. And I could tell that she was just hurting for me. And I just, I just said, I just kept apologizing. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she's like, why are you apologizing? It's not your fault. Like, you know, and then she said something, Chad. Sorry. I'm, uh, whew, that moment. Um, she said, God's going to do something. That's what she said. God's going to do something. I'm like, okay, thank you for trying to make me feel better. I don't feel like talking about what God's going to do in this moment, but she said that. And, um, you know, and we just kind of talk about, okay, so what do we need to do next? And, you know, just kind of tried to start in some ways strategizing a little bit. So. No, that's awesome. Um, and I mean, let's just go ahead and acknowledge we have wives that are too good for us. Oh Um, my gosh. And uh, I don't deserve her. (laughs) and, And in our seasons of thriving and in our seasons of setbacks, they, um, help us be better people. So. Yeah, man. before we get to the second part of the story um, of what is to come, uh, can you look back at that point and give us a few ways that you were able to grieve that moment? Yeah, man, it's a good question. You know, I think a big thing that when I look back, I, I was able to grieve, you know, the loss of a really good leader. You know, um, I got the chance towards the end before I knew we, we weren't I wasn't going to be on the team anymore to sit down with him and 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 just honor him in a really good way and, and just tell him what an impact he's made in my life and, and just to help him 
um, or just help like that moment. And that was really big for me because, you know, when I look back on that, he was a big part of us coming to that church. And that was hard when he, when he was, you know, transition, he left and, uh, when they, you know, asked him to leave. And, uh, so I was able to really just kind of process that moment, um, finally, and, um, in a sense, grieve that because that was hard. Uh, I was also able to grieve the fact that I wasn't going to be working at a church that I had and basically dreamed of working at, uh, cause you know, at pre- when I was at another church, you know, I, I, I'd consulted with my, that, that guy, that my former boss who was let go on several occasions on ideas. And I basically saw him in that church as a mentor church to me. And so it was really, you know, I just kind of tried to process like, man, I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm not going to be able to walk in and be a proud staff member or say, this is where I work. Um, this is the ministry I get to do. Like, I'm going to have to say something else. I'm going to have to work somewhere else. Our family's going to have to attend a different church, at, you know, like this whole deal. So that was that was a grieving moment in that sense. Um and then I think uh, two more, I, I was grieving the loss of what working in that area and that time period did for our family. Uh, it really, really, like I just mentioned earlier, it really was a healing season for my wife and I. And that church was a safe haven for us, man. You know, uh, my wife got to attend and volunteer and make connections and friends and really uh, do life with people, which was like one of the first times in our marriage. My wife is an introvert. And so making friendships and relationships don't come naturally for her like it does for me. And so to see her flourish, man, she was flourishing. And so I, 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 I had to grieve that because now we're going to uproot our family and she was going to have to start over again. And, and I knew how difficult it was, you know, to, to do that there. And now she's going to have to do that again. So that was hard. Um, and then the last thing I think was, I think what this also did is it was like a, a sh- you know, like sometimes you can't do this anymore because CPS will take your kids away. But I remember when I was a kid and I wasn't listening, sometimes my, my mom would grab me by the shoulder and just kind of shake me and be like, I'm talking to you, you know, and like shake you. And then you're like, pay attention. I feel like that's kind of what God did. Because if you remember earlier, one of the questions I started asking as we were talking about the shift is, Lord, is my time in student ministry coming to an end? And the answer was yes. And obviously we'll get to that. But um, uh, I felt like God was kind of saying, hey, I need your attention because I'm going to do something. Which I then connected it to what Erica said to me the day I told her that I that I was, you know, losing my job. And so it that was man, that was probably the second biggest grieving thing was like I got into this because I believed in the next generation and that they're the church of today, not the church of tomorrow. And I loved working with students and now I felt like I just felt it in my spirit that that was all coming to an end. So had to grieve that as well. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a lot. And it's not all bad, which right. is like you, I, I want to make, make sure to point to, it's like, 
yes, it, it's a, something to grieve, but you're grieving good things that, right. um, like, you know, God working relationships for your wife. Like, um, it's not when, when you experience a setback, some, some good things, um, can come out of that. Um, and so as you look back, what kind of things are you grateful for that, that happened or that you experienced, uh, during this setback? Yeah. Well, I know this might shock some people, but I'm actually grateful for this church. Okay. I'm really grateful for that church because I mean, as you know, and from, you know, experiences you may have had and from what I've heard and seen, you know, not a lot of churches walk through, you know, letting staff go, transitioning staff very well. But I would say in my case, it may not have been in the case in everybody's case. And I understand that for you too, as well. Um, I, you know, obviously I was with you through your situation, but in my case, I felt like they treated me extraordinary well um, in the end. I mean, they took care of our family really well. Uh, even the, I remember the executive pastor and the one of the uh, ex, uh, executive central leaders had me out to lunch because they wanted to say thank you for, I guess, the way I was finishing well, you know, in that season. And I just thought, man, that was that was really big of them. Like they, I mean, this is a massive church, you know, they have so much on their plate and they both took the time out to personally thank me, to, to take me to launch, to listen to my, I mean, they asked me some questions and I just said, are you okay? Cause I'm going to share my honest thoughts, you know, about what you're asking me. And they did. And they, uh, you know, they listened and you know, whether or not they acted on any of that, who knows, but they listened and uh, I just remember walking away thinking, wow, that was um, that was really honoring. And because of that, like, I still have a really great relationship with that church. Um, I often, you know, contact the lead pastor and, and pray for his family and, and, and encourage him and uh, resource. I use resources. And, uh, man, I, I still have such a great affinity for that church. And I think because of the way... Um, they really tried to honor me towards the end of that. I was also grateful for you. Uh, you you were just, I mean, you've been just an incredible friend. And in that season, for sure, I remember, I think right after I, you, you were the second person I told. Because right after I talked to my wife, I literally called you and said, bro, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> and you were I like, are phone you phone. kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? You're like, are you kidding me? And I was like, yeah, like, this is nuts, man. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And, and you and, and your wife, um, just was just so good to Eric and I. And, um, I just remember your encouragement and your prayers. And, uh, so I was so grateful for that. Um, I was grateful for the team because they, uh, you know, they tried to make it those last 30 days as, as least awkward as possible. Uh, and uh, I, I, I was grateful for how they included me on the things and um, for that. And I was just grateful for the network of, of people we had, um, especially around my wife at the school she was working at. They were just, man, they just, it was, they just picked her up like a big teddy bear and just loved on her and loved on our kids and just made us feel like, 
it, it made it even that much harder to like leave because of how they did that. Um, so those are several of the things I was grateful for um, as, as our time was kind of coming to an end there. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, and you're right when you, you're talking about like the church, like so much respect for, for that church, the people that attend, the people that work there um, truly are great people. Uh, yeah, they are. So um, I don't want people to miss that just because you're experiencing a setback and the people who you want to point the finger at, they're not always the bad people, uh, but that's right. They're people to that's be right. thankful for. Um, that's right. So now um, the third question that we're asking dealing with the setbacks is how do you pursue what is to come? So go ahead, kind of finish up, button up the story um, and kind of what was your heart posture and your mindset going into pursuing what is to come? Um, and then tell us, uh, what did God do? Um, you told us a couple of times, God's going to do something. Tell us, what did he do? Yeah. yeah so, you know, my Erica said, God's going to do something. Here's what's interesting about this. Okay. At the time, I didn't connect the two. I had no idea. But I had a friend reach out to me, you know, I had made a lot of connections uh, in the course of being in ministry. And uh, so, you know, I used to serve uh, as a student pastor in California before. So I had a lot of connections in California. So I remember right before we got the, um, before I got the word that we we're going to have to re-interview for our job, um, a friend reached out and said, hey, you know, there's this opportunity. Um at this church it's for campus pastor to be a campus pastor and i was like what uh yeah i'm a student pastor i'm not sure about that like that's a huge leap <laughs> you know uh, i don't know if i'm ready for anything like that um and he said well why don't you just like you know why don't you just come out hang out and um you know let's just talk about it you know i'll fly you out free trip it's like well i'm not gonna turn that down right and so uh so I go out there, hang out with my friend and, and we, you know, go over to this church and connect with them and start talking about like what's going on and what they're doing. And, um, and it, it was through this, uh, this organization called Slingshot. And so, uh, so I had to like officially like apply for it, to be able to do this trip or whatever. So I do that, go through it, go out there, hang out. And it's like, man, this is really awesome. Like the the role the church itself like they're really family focused really uh man they really cared for their staff so well and it made me i remember walking in and thinking gosh this feels like the church i'm currently at um in in a lot of ways and so i got back and i just thought like this was like exploratory like i mean they're i mean i'm a student pastor they're not gonna hire me right like there's no way so I didn't. I didn't even think two thoughts of it, and then, um, and then everything happens, and so it was like, oh, okay, what what's next? Well, literally, um, I would say like, okay, yeah, in July, late in that late July, I got a call and they wanted to invite us back out but they wanted my wife to come. And at the time, my wife was like, no, I don't want to move back to California, uh, especially the area that this church was in. And so we <laughs> we kind of talked about it. And so I told them, hey, you know, this is not going to happen. And then 
Um, and then after about a week or so or two weeks, my wife came to me and she said, you know, because one of our family core values is that um, we will always be open to the Lord's leading. And so she came back and said, you know, I was acting out of, you know, fear and um, not really listening or trusting what God wants to do. So if, if, if you believe this is what God wants to do, let's honor that. Let's pursue it to, to its end. So it's like, okay. Or like, are you sure? And it's like, yeah. So, so then I, I call them back, obviously. And I tell them, Hey, I, I just have to be honest with you. Uh, I lost, uh, I'm, I'm being transitioned off our team. Uh, you know, lost my job, whatever you want to call it. I didn't get fired. I guess you could say it's a layoff uh, because I have still have 30 days and uh, they want me to work that out. And um, they've even offered to allow me to apply to other positions at the, at the church. And so, and, and this church was like, okay, that's great. Like, you know, like I thought they were going to be like, oh, we don't want you anymore. Right. Because you know, the old saying, it's better to look for a new job when you currently have a job. So, uh, so I thought that was going to be a hindrance, but it wasn't. And so Eric and I, we flew out and we, you know, fell in love with the church and what God was doing there. And they said, we believe this is, um, you're the guy to come lead this campus. And I mean, it's a large campus. You know, I think it was at the time we were averaging a little under 4,000 people on weekend attendance and had a big staff that I was going to lead. And I was just like, uh, okay, God, like, is this real? I'm literally leaving student ministry. Um, and, um, so yeah, that's what ended up happening. We, we accepted the call and our family packed up and made our second trek back out to California. And let me just tell you, it is exactly what um, what was the right thing to do. We have been incredibly grateful for the ministry uh, at the church that we were at for, for uh, a few years. And um, it opened up the door to the opportunity that I have today. Um and I'm grateful for, man, so many people at, uh, at uh, the church was called High Desert Church. Um, you know, George Beersley, the executive pastor, Tom Mercer, former senior pastor, Tim Cool, um, uh, Kurt Thielen, uh, Jack Hamilton, uh, the administrative board, man, so many great people uh, I got to work there. And it was the right church for the right moment. I got to go there learn heal from from the previous thing and um you know an incredible church that loved my family so well sometimes too well but so well and uh yeah i'm just i'm just grateful for um what god did during that setback yeah for sure and um i want to acknowledge that back when it all started when you were finding out that the whole like the landscape for student ministry at the previous church was going to happen you're like you took a posture of humility and mm. said you know yes my gifting my passion is this and i know i'm not going to get to do that as often but i'm here god has me here i'm all in here um and he took this passion the, the, this this posture of humility um and it almost looks like god rewarded you tenfold uh because yeah. you were able to continue to um, live out that, that those giftings and those passions. And, um, but not only that, but you were able to help lead other youth pastors in the moment 
um, as the campus pastor there. And so I, I feel like God rewarded your humility and, and that, and what was to come. And I, yeah. I, even in the moment, like when it was happening, I was thinking that. And so, yeah, yeah thanks for, for being well, that example of that. Well, I appreciate that, Chad. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I will say that in that season, you know, leading up to that moment, it wasn't always easy. And it wasn't always like, you know, roses and whatever they say and for that saying. Uh, it wasn't always like, you know, the easiest road to walk through. There were definitely moments of questioning. There were definitely moments of like, should I just go look for another job? And, you know, I had friends sending me, you know, opportunities and, uh, you know, and um, but what I wanted to do more so than anything else is my love for that church, for that, for those students, for those leaders, for those parents, just you know, want, I, I just wanted to do what was right. Like, and not, not that I'm saying that everybody else has done what was wrong in those situations. No, I think what is right is always dependent on the situation. I just wanted to do what was right. I wanted to, to really continue to, as I like to say, put my head down and just do what's in, right in front of me. So it wasn't always easy. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't perfect in it. I'll, let me just tell you right now, I was not perfect in that, uh, in that season. I made my fair share of mistakes, uh, questioned my fair share of things, you know, uh, but I wanted to do what was right at the end of the day. So, yeah, and we're thankful for that. Let's be honest, if being humble was easy, everybody would do it. So that's right. That's so right. <laughs> so we're, we're, none of us are perfect, right? That's all right. All right. Well, Michael, as we uh, begin to wrap this up, um, I just want to know, is there any last word, any quick wisdom that you want to share with the the people who are listening who might be dealing with a setback or might be dealing with a setback in the future? Absolutely. Um, I, two things. I think, number one, if you're getting ready to walk through a setback like you sense it or you're in the midst of a setback... The best thing you can do is the next right thing. Um, Rusty George, who's our our lead pastor here at Real Life and who's been on the podcast before in his book, After Amen, you know, he talks about like when he would be praying and then like once he was done, he's like, okay, what do I do next? Like I've prayed for something. What do I do? He talks about like how we just do the next right thing, like whatever the next right thing is. So if that means if you're getting ready to if you sense a setback is coming, there's animosity with your boss or not not maybe not animosity, but you just kind of see the writing on the wall. Well, you got to get up. You got to go to work. You got to accomplish the task that's right in front of you. You got to honor your coworkers. You got to honor your boss, right? Doesn't mean you can't question. Doesn't mean you can't have honest conversation. Doesn't mean you should just, you know, uh, uh, put your head down and not do anything. I'm not saying that, but you got to do what the next right thing in front of you is, whatever that is. And then uh, I would say is once you kind of experience that setback, you have to trust that God is going to do something. And that's 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 much harder to live in than to say. It's easy to say. And I get it because, I mean, Chad, you know, and I know, per, we both know, right, that in the moment, it doesn't, it's not easy to trust God. Not <laughs> that at he's all. Gonna do, not at all. That he's going to do something when you're kind of like, okay, I got to 
provide for my family and all this stuff. But man, I look back on that and I, I'm, I, I was so grateful for how God showed himself faithful, how God showed himself trustworthy, you know, how, uh, you know, I was in a sermon I recently, uh, uh, gave, I talked about how, you know, Satan is a counterfeiter and he will, make promises that he can never deliver on. But God is a creator and God will create promises that he will always deliver on. And so in those seasons of setbacks, you have to trust that God is going to do something. He is faithful. He is not going to leave you in a situation in which he will not provide your basic needs. Now, it may not look like what you wanted it to look like. It may not be your version of your best life, but it's going to be God's version of your best life. And uh, I think you and I can attest that when we are faithful to do the next right thing, uh, God is faithful to do the next thing for us. And and in both our cases, man, he really provided a, uh, a good next thing. He really did. And uh, it's so true. Like my wife and I, we say, you know, God always provides, you know, it, it mm. kind of became a family mantra during our setback mm. season. Um, right. And so that's so true. So good. Such a good word. Um, and I don't know about any of our listeners, but I have a daughter that's obsessed with Elsa. And so whenever mm. they do the next right thing, all I can think about is the song from Frozen 2. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for oh, sure. So, well, Michael, thank you so much for um, opening up and sharing with um, your listeners. Um, and uh, I know this was good. this is a blessing to so many of them to kind of hear more about your story and where you come from and um, how God has formed you into the man that you are today um, and formed your family into the family that, that you guys are today. And so thank you so much for, for sharing and uh, being vulnerable with your setback season. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I hope it helps somebody walk through theirs as well. For sure. Well, hey, I want to thank you for listening today. And if this was helpful for you, would you do us a favor, a big favor and share this with others? Also, um, I would love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which will help uh, the show reach more people. And that's what it's all about. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to follow Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.